0: Welcome to the first cut podcast. I'm Rick Gaming, and this is your DFS preview for this week's RSM classic. There is no time to sleep. I know we crowned Dustin Johnson, our master's champion mere hours ago, Greg, but we do not sleep. It's RSM classic
1: week. And, uh, we're, we're staying in the South we're staying in the Southeast RSM classics, always fun and exciting. You know, I, what I like about this one is there's a group of guys who call this place home, right? They, they call the sea Island area, uh, home for them. They practice there. They play there. So it's pretty cool to see because you definitely have some local. It's a rare home game on the PGA tour. This is one of them
0: for some of the players. That's Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. Not one course this week, Greg, but two. double your fun. So let's talk about this. This is very similar to what we would get at Torrey Pines with the north and the south course course, the seaside course is the host course. So that is, uh, the plantation course is the, the other course. So basically every golfer in the field, they're going to play one round at each course on Thursday and Friday, and then they're going to make the cut. And then they're going to go to the seaside course for the final two rounds. Do I have that right?
1: Yes, um, you do. And what you also probably love about this is you get a round in this tournament with no shot link. Right. No. So I I hate that. uh, Oh, you you do. I I thought you were a fan of that. Uh, That must be somebody else. Anyway. Uh, so that is interesting. This is one of those rare weeks where you can have the most strokes gained in the field and Mm -hmm. not win the tournament because there's that one additional
0: round. So it will be interesting to see. The other thing is, so this is really fun for like, um, first round leader and showdown and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll try to do some research and tweet some stuff out on this, but uh, one of these courses is a par 70 and one is a par 72. So when you start looking at like, who's going to be the first round leader, one of these courses is going to play easier. Um, You know, if you're looking for showdown, like you might want to play a bunch of guys from one of these courses. So like the first couple of days, there's a couple of wrinkles that if you're paying attention, you can, you can find some edges on.
1: Which one do you think is, the easier one do you prefer in a showdown or something do you prefer the um the par 72 or the par 70
0: yeah so i should have looked this up (laughs) beforehand i had this handy i'm pretty sure the plantation course is the easier one i mean it's a par 72 and it's short they're both basically they're within 55 yards of one another so i think you get the the two extra par fives Uh, i'm pretty sure that's the one you want to score on So I'll, and the sea island one is,
1: is not really that long as it is, even as a par 70, 7,000 yards is not extremely long.
0: Well, yeah. Well, the winning score, I mean, often gets into 20 under, I think, I think the average winning score in the last five years is like 19.6 under par. So like, yeah, you're going to need to make a lot of birdies no matter which course you're playing.
1: Right. Which these are events that often you have a, a really jammed leaderboard coming down the stretch. I, I'm curious when you when you go with a single round thing like that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what what's your strategy? Because I always, I feel like it's such a uh, shot in the dark when you're talking about one round. You go over four rounds, and all of a sudden you got have a guy who's playing a certain way. It can come into form. It can kind of you get a flavor for the tournament. If I was going to do a one round thing, I may do a a round three showdown type deal. But round mm. one's always the hardest one for me to predict.
0: Yeah. Or you could do round two because round two, you'll have seen, uh, what I would like to do is like, see the guy. So say you get the guys who have shot link on Thursday, you see how they're playing and then, you know, they're going to go to what in theory should be the easier course on Friday. Like those would probably be the guys that, that I would want to target.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe round two gives you a little bit of data, a little bit of, of, uh, eye test. And yeah. you can kind of see how it plays out.
0: And I want to see. I'll have to go back and pull this from last year. And I always, I always think about this when we get to two course rotation. Is are you better off playing the same course three days in a row? So there are going to be guys who make the cut and play the seaside, uh, the side course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as opposed to the guys who have to sneak the plantation course in there one round.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure that there's a a huge difference in three days in a row or not. I, w- I would bet the data doesn't really show that, but but what I do like to see is I would think as a player having three afternoon rounds in a row might be mm. advantageous. Um, something as far as, as far as the schedule is concerned, that may make a little bit of a difference, but I, I would bet the scoring averages and numbers. There's a very, a very, very small difference.
0: And last thing on this. So I, I don't think they have to wake up as early this week because the first two rounds, they only have to get half the field out all day. So basically everyone's playing at once. So I haven't looked at the tee times yet. I don't know if they're out yet, but like, I don't even think they have to start. They usually start like seven o'clock local as soon as the sun comes up. I don't think they have to do that. Do that this week.
1: That uh, that's a great point, Rick. Um, they usually come out on Tuesday, So t- yeah. tomorrow they should, we should have some tee times out. And it'll be interesting to see They had some early wake up calls this
0: past week. that's for sure uh greg would you like to win a 55 inch television yes please Well, you're not eligible, but everyone else listening and watching can win. We are giving away a 55-inch smart TV, and here's what you need to know if you'd like a chance to win. The contest is completely free to enter. To win, go to cbssports.com slash firstcutgiveaway. That link is in the description of the episode if you're watching on YouTube as well as in the podcast description on all podcast platforms. This contest ends – November 23rd. So you have about a week or so to go. And the winner will get to watch the next Masters only five months away in crispy high definition. The player pool. Five golfers over $10,000 on DraftKings, Greg, led by. Webb Simpson at 11,200. Sung J M hot off his runner up finish at the Masters, 11,000. Tommy Fleetwood, 10,7. Terrell Hatton, 10,4. And Russell Henley, who we did not get to see last week, $10,100. What are we doing at the top?
1: It's hard to stay away from Webb here. Yep. Uh, Webb's won. He came in second last year, he lost in a playoff to Tyler Duncan, third the year before that. Uh, it, it's tough to play away from Webb Simpson. He now look, he had a, a couple of nice rounds last week. It, the tournament didn't continue the way that he hoped. But Augusta National is a place that's been pretty tough on Webb Simpson. It's a, a big golf course. It was soft, which makes it a little bit longer. Um, it's manageable, but it's harder. It's hard to make a lot of birdies on that golf course when it's playing long and, and you hit the ball the distance that he does. Um, so I look at last week as a, a really a, just a challenging test for him. I think his game is still in plenty good form. Coming back to two golf courses that he's familiar with, I think you're going to see Webb Simpson put on uh, quite a show. So I still like Webb Simpson. The other guy that I like is is Hatton. Hatton's coming off mm-hmm. a missed cut at the Masters. Yeah, that happens. It's uh, again, it it's not a golf course that sets up for everybody. It's a major championship. It's difficult. It's just simply challenging. So I'm not too worried about Hatton missing the cut last week. Before that. He had a tied third at the CJ Cup, tied twenty eighth at Zozo, tied seventh at the Houston Open. This is a player I think is in really good form, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not shying away from the missed cut last week.
0: You know what's interesting is you can actually like grind film this week. You could be like the all twenty two NFL coordinator and be like, how did Hatton miss a cut last week? Let me go watch every single shot that he hit. Like we don't, we don't often get to grind film in this world, but we can this week.
1: No, well, not for now, but I have a feeling what we got to see this week is something we're going to get to see in the future on the PGA Tour. I hope for that. Do not. Maybe a not subscription tease. type thing. I will I'm, I'm any, serious.
0: Any amount of money. I'll pay any amount of money for it.
1: Look, last year at the players, we were going to see every shot from every player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that's going to continue. If, if it's successful, which it will be, I, I think you're going to see that.
0: Zach wants to know how DraftKings works. You get six golfers under $50,000 in your lineup. You try to score as many fantasy points as possible. Webb Simpson, 11,200. Greg, I I think we are past the point of being like, this is a web course. Uh, I think they're all web courses. I mean, he is a wet, soft Augusta National last week, still able to finish in the top 10. Uh, So impressive. Now he goes to a place where he's had so many close calls, runner-up finish last year third place finish two years ago. He has another runner up in the past. I mean, he's just been knocking on the door here. Like I'm, I'm pretty convinced Webb's going to win this thing. Uh,
1: I think (laughs) it's a, it's a strong take. He's the favorite for a reason. He deserves to be the favorite. Um, so I'm looking at Webb with, I I don't know how you, I mean, look, there's always an avenue to to fade the most expensive guy. There's always an avenue, but this is a tough one for me. I, I think he's has the best course history. He proved last week that his game is in good form on a course that I think is really hard for him, as I said. And he, you still see that performance. So I, I gotta I gotta go with Webb here as well.
0: You know, the only golfer since the restart who has been uh, comparable to Webb, like in terms of the strokes gain numbers, is Russell Henley. I, I know you're you're a big Henley guy. I mean, ten thousand yeah. one hundred didn't get to tee it up last week. Might have a, a little chip on his shoulder. I, I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal. He's been piling up top tens. Um, I'm I'm happy to pay like in that ten k range. I'm happy to spend the most. I'm happy to go pay up for Webb, and I'm happy to drop down and and start with Russell. I think they're both great options.
1: Russell has been a, a birdie maker, right? And, and his iron play has become something that's, that is elite. So I look at Russell Henley and I'm saying, yes please, yes. The, the only thing with Henley that I'm not crazy about is that he's he priced, I, I like Henley when he, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a deal on him. Mm. And it seems like the pricing is kind of caught up. So I mean ninth so far this year on tour, uh, Tita to Green, ninth approaching the green as well. Uh he's hitting 75% of his greens of regulation. He's hitting 71% of his fairways. Distance may be the challenge for him. Um, but when you hit it that accurately and you're going to two shorter golf courses. Yeah. So I think it suits really well for him. Averaging four point two five birdies per round. Henley is a great play
0: this week. Uh, real quick on the other guys in this range, as much as I love Sung uh, you know, you know, we talk about the, the meteoric rise in pricing. Sometimes he's now $11,000. It's I believe the fourth most expensive he's ever been in his young career, which shocked me. I'm, I couldn't believe I could find a couple of times that he was actually more expensive than this. Um, the thing that we haven't seen with Sung Jay in the restart is consistency. You know, he's he, he has struggled to put two events together like he was doing previously. So you know we can take guesses later in the week of what that ownership might look like, but i am probably not as interested in Sungjae this week as i as I normally am. what do you think
1: his price would have been if they did what they did for Masters where they priced the week before? Oh you didn't see that master's performance. how yeah. I mean would he be a nine k
0: guy? Where do you yeah, think I think he'd, he'd fall? be a nine I think he'd be a nine k guy I think like, he'd be like I, Harris English Jason day Louis range
1: yeah, I think so I he'd have to be below Jason day. Jason day would probably be much higher.
0: Oh yeah. Because we didn't, because we also wouldn't have seen Jason days missed cut.
1: Right. And we would have seen, um, we we would have seen a, a great T five at Houston. So it would have been fascinating to watch, but that it just, the only reason I bring that up is it gives you an idea of what the effect of last week was. Mm -hmm. So one week, a record setting week, he set a record for, it was the lowest score for a, a debut at the masters in, in history at 15 under. And so good. Um, I think that skews his pricing upward, and I, I agree with you, Rick. I'm unfortunately – look, that's an emotional week. You, you, in, you just came and tied second at the Masters, and now you're going to go play the RSM. I think there's an exhale. I just – I do. Sungbot feels no emotion, Greg. He does not have the capacity – to feel sometimes emotion. it seems that way he's I mean he's rock solid <laughs> he's and so look great. he may prove us wrong but i just i have a feeling this one's going to be a little dip in the performance
0: I, I mean i hope he does right like but it, it, this is a math problem you know what i mean it's 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 a puzzle that we're trying to put together and the puzzle gets much more difficult with an eleven thousand dollars sung jm like that's yeah. that's that's just the puzzle yep i agree um, Nine thousand dollar range, Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, squeaks through to make the cut last week, ninety nine hundred. Harris English, who we didn't see, ninety seven. Jason Day at ninety five. Louis Ustase in ninety three. Shane Lowry, ninety two. Joaquin Neiman, who as of this moment is still in the field, we'll talk about that in a second, ninety one. And then Sebastian Munoz rounds out the nine thousand dollar range, Greg. Um, Joaquin Neiman tested positive for COVID before the Masters. Not sure what his current status is currently still in this field. So we will proceed as he is in this field until we know otherwise.
1: I'm likely staying away because of the, the uncertainty. Um So we don't really know what's going to happen with Joaquin. And I think there's some other players in this price range that are really attractive. Okay, who um, are they? Uh, well, Harris English jumps off the page. To this me. is,
0: yeah, baby, let's go you know, Harris English.
1: I understand the way the field was made up for this past week, but Harris English is a guy that I think could have really, I mean, he could have been a part of the story. Um, He and Daniel Berger and look, they didn't meet the qualification standards. So it's no, it's no one's fault. It's just Harris English turned into a player that you would think is a master's kind of contender. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a huge fan of that. His record so far this year, he was fourth at the U S open. He, uh, he missed the cut at the Shriners, but he shot five under. So uh, there have been a lot of players oh, in right. great form who missed the cut there, but shot 500. Okay. he had to shoot 700 and, to make the cut.
0: And that was his only missed cut in like
1: 11 starts Is he goes, yeah. he shoots 500 and, and doesn't find the weekend. Right. he's So it's not a sign of poor play because right. then it comes back the next week with a 10th tied 28th at the Zozo, which just you know, over the weekend, it just kind of, um, he, he didn't carry any momentum into the weekend 72 70. But I look at this guy as, um, a a player who's playing great golf, who's extremely confident. And he's one of those, one of those, uh, sea Island guys. So I I think it's a home game for him. And I'm going to have a little bit of a, a lean, as you'll see in some of these other picks, a lean to, to hometown kids.
0: Got it. Eight top 20 finishes in that 11 start stretch in which he only missed one cut. That one cut that he missed, he was five under at Shriners in a historically low cut line. And he does what I love, Greg, which is gain strokes in all four major categories. It is why he is so safe. It's why his floor almost in the last you know six months or whatever has been basically a top 20. It's it's why he's he's so solid everywhere. Um, you know, I look at some of the other guys in this range. Not as excited about you know Jason Day. I think is uh, so hard to handicap at the moment because he's given us flashes of brilliance in Houston. Uh, he played better at, at the CJ cup than his finish would indicate because he WD WD and then he misses the cut at the master. So like I'm kind of flipping a coin on Jason day at the moment. I'm not really sure what to do. So what do you think is the most important aspect at these golf courses? Um, <laughs> I, I think that, it's some I think these are birdie fest and you have to put, I think, I think the, I think yeah. the guy who puts it the best is going to win. It.
1: Yeah. I kind of, I feel, I kind of feel the same way, but it's hard to get a real handle on it. Like the, the guy that puts the best, it, it's hard to handicap that right. Jason day can do that. Um, but is he going to give himself the opportunities? We know the question mark there with him. We know exactly what it is. Iron play. Is he going to mm-hmm. hit a lot of greens? Is he going to give himself a lot of birdie putts? He'll contend. If not, then he won't, he won't be anywhere to be seen. So I don't necessarily, I'm not sure where we are with that. I've seen some good, I've seen some bad, I've seen everything in between. I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you on Jason Day. Um, Munoz. Let's talk about him. Because I, li- I like him. I think he's a hot hand. I think he's proving that he's more than um, just, I don't, I, I don't believe that this is just a, a good streak for him. I think Sebastian Munoz is proving to himself that he's a legitimate contender and belongs out here. Now, last week he was in the mix. He had it at nine and under at one point. He, he shot seventy-five on Sunday, but Sunday at the Masters is different than Sunday at the RSM. I think <laughs> everybody can um, agree with that, and and there's just a simply a different pressure. But listen to these finishes. I mean, is this is this a streak that's about to end? I'll ask you, Rick. But listen to this: tied twenty-third at Sanderson Farms, tied twenty-seventh at Shriners. Uh, we know how hard it was to make that cut. Ninth at at Shadow Creek at the CJ Cup. Tied 14th at Zozo. Tied 19th at the Masters. This has just been so steady. And he had the week off for the Houston Open. So I don't feel like he's on too long of a stretch of play. I I think this is,
0: at his price, I I think he's got to get on your team. I think, I love and hate Sebastian Munoz. So he has been been phenomenal. Let's get real. From the end of last season, those results that you are are, are referencing – I think it's very clearly the best stretch of golf he's had in his career. And I'm not sure that there's, there's much argument there. The, the thing that makes it so hard, Greg, is he has one round every week where he plays himself out of the golf tournament. You know what I mean? And, and I know it was Sunday at Augusta, but it feels like it happens more often than that. If you look up at the end of the day and say, okay, it's a T19. That's a great finish, whatever. But he, he was on the first page of the leaderboard for like the first three rounds. So right. it, it's almost hard to stomach. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely I'm definitely in on him, right? More than I am out. I think the results are great. I don't think the price has matched up yet. He's a winner on the PGA Tour. There's a lot going for him. So I I definitely, I just close my eyes, put him in the lineup and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I, and I, <laughs> I think, look, I do think there's a pretty solid floor there. He has had a couple of concerning Sunday rounds. Masters last week. Yeah. Zozo, um, 72. And US Open, 82. Those are... Pretty solid fields, right? Pretty stout golf courses. Maybe maybe Sherwood wasn't all that difficult, but that's a 72. So the two majors are as high as Sundays. But he also shot 67 at Shriners, which was right on par with what he did for the rest of the week. Um, he shot 69 at Shadow Creek on Sunday, moved up the leaderboard. That was one of his better rounds of the tournament. So I, I, I don't think there's a Sunday problem at this point in regular PGA Tour events. There may be a Sunday problem in majors, but we all know that's, a, that's, a, that's next level. That's a level up. That's a guy, you would analyze that with a Webb Simpson, right? A guy who's at $11,000, not, not a guy um, down in the bottom of the 9K
0: range. Jamie Brown in the chat asks any masters jet lag, which I assume he doesn't mean real jet lag because it's 200 miles away, but you did mention earlier, Greg, the emotional toll of potentially playing in the masters. And if there is any hangover this week, and I just wanted to kind of talk about that as it, as an idea, right? You know, what's too much of a hangover. What is, you know, too deep into the leaderboard? Like, is any of this a negative? You know what I mean?
1: See, there's a very fine line between playing well And nearly winning. Mm. So if you're a player like Sebastian Munoz, who comes in tied 19th, you may have thought on Sunday, you may have had dreams of winning going into Sunday's round, but it's, there was definitely doubt. You weren't thinking, okay, if I do what I should, I should win tomorrow. He was, I think he was nine under. If I remember correctly, you're talking about um, being seven shots back of Dustin Johnson. And you got Justin Thomas in the way John Rahm in the way a bunch of these other players in the mix. You're not thinking about winning. You're thinking about playing well and finishing in the top 10 or top 12, getting invited back uh, automatically. So I, I don't, for Sebastian Munoz, I don't think there's much of a hangover, but there's a difference between that solid play, just kind of sneaking through with a, a nice finish and nearly winning Sung JM probably thinks he had a chance to win at some point. He set a record he's achieving. I mean, he comes in tied second. He achieved some things that um, that people dream of. And that's a different emotional toll going to a place playing well, having a good week, not really contending is different than nearly winning and wondering what happened. I I think last week may still be on your mind. If you're sung JM, if you're Sebastian Munoz, I think you I think you chalk it up to a positive and it's confidence heading into this week. Your challenge is now Sunday. Can I can I handle Sunday? Sunday I think is an exhale. Exhale more than a hangover is mm. how I would explain it. Interesting.
0: I want to get into the 8k range and below find a little bit of value, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business gold card. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10%? will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up. Eight thousand dollar range, Greg. I I kind of like this. There, there's a lot to talk about in here, so I think we can we can take our time. Uh, Corey Connors, eighty nine hundred, all the way down to Zach Johnson and Doc Redman at a flat eight thousand. There are guys with good course history. There might be some buy low candidates in here. Let's let's go through a couple of these. Who, who in here do you like the most? Um, Danny McCarthy jumps off jumps off the page at me, and I look. I, Denny McCarthy's in the $7,000 range. Hold on. Wait, hang on to him for a couple minutes. We'll get to Denny. Wait, he is? Denny, Denny McCarthy, 7,700. Oh, 77. I'm thinking he's 87. See, okay. Greg likes him so much, he would have paid $8,700 for him. So you know he would have okay. paid 77. No, I'm,
1: I'm, I, I, got, I got my seven and eight mix up. Okay,
0: I love Denny McCarthy. We're going to spend a lot of time on him. Let's focus yes. on the eight. All right. First and foremost.
1: Now I mentioned, I like Corey Connors has been playing great golf. Yeah. So he's definitely someone you want to look at high end of the 8k. Well, let's just jump down to uh, Kevin Kisner for a second. Okay. Okay. Kevin Kisner, I think we can discuss because I know you're not a huge fan of him uh, for this week. And I kind of, kind of am now. I I think if, if you're Kevin Kisner, you're looking at a place like Augusta national and it, it is a, you're from there right? You're from right next door and the golf course continues to get longer and your chances of, of winning there continue to diminish. So I I look at Augusta and I say, this is a hard course for Kevin Kisner. And I don't expect much out of him there, but I look at what he did at the Zozo. I look at what he's done at the RSM in the past. And I think I'm, I think extremely positive of it. He was tied 14th at the Zozo. Um, and, and last week didn't quite go his way. So I like him. Um, I, I really do. I know he missed the cut last year, but he's had some really nice finishes. He was tied seventh in 2018, uh, 19. Sorry. Um, and just I, I guess he didn't play in 18. And there was one other really nice finish from him, yeah. He's but been... any, anyway, so he's had some really nice finishes in the past, yeah. and I think he's going back to a place that fits his game much better.
0: So the fact that I don't really want to play Kevin Kisner this week. I actually think is a compliment to him. So let me try to unravel this for a second. Okay. So he he has the elite course history in this field. He's got the win in 2016. He's got uh, three other top tens since 2015. I mean he's been he's been phenomenal around here. So he gets that he gets that course horse designation, and the ownership starts to climb. So I, I guess my argument for not playing him is I actually think so highly of Kevin Kisner's game that I think he can contend and compete at a lot of different courses. I mean, he finished third at the rocket mortgage. He finished third at the Wyndham, he finished fourth at the Northern trust. He played well at Zozo. Like as long as it's not overly long, I think that Kevin Kisner can find a hot week and, and contend because he hits his irons well and he can putt well. So I don't want to be a part of the Kevin Kisner week when he's 25% owned and has a similar chance of, of winning or contending, for the and except and then the weeks where he's like eight percent owned and he can win, you know what I mean? Like I, I actually think so highly of him, I don't think I have to play him this week.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But Rick, you don't this is not one and done, right? You can play him any <laughs>
0: that's true. <laughs>
1: I that's mean true. you can play him every so, week if you want. That's <laughs> true. Nothing holding you back. So I, I don't I want to take advantage of that great course history, right? Yeah. I, I I know, and it, it's one of those situations where you wonder. Is this the guy? Is this the slot where if I have a Webb Simpson who has a lot of ownership, um, am I do I need some uniqueness in down in this area? If that's the case, I could see a fade on Kisner. But I think there's ways around that. I don't think the ownership on him alone is really going to going to bog you down. Mm Uh, Now, if Danny McCarthy is getting a lot of ownership and and you think that he's going to be really owned, then maybe I'll go away from Kisner because I need Danny in my lineup. But uh, but I'm pretty high on Kisner this week.
0: Yeah, I I think it's fair. Um, Let me let's let's talk about your guy brian harman 8500 now now he's becoming my guy right like now i'm like oh brian harman this is is pretty slick there he is is yeah i've turned your eye to him he is on an 11 event cut streak it is the fifth longest active streak on tour and it's the longest active streak of anyone in this field i think louis is also tied with him at 11 in a row but it's not uh, it's not just about making cuts for him right now, Greg. He has seven top 30 finishes in that stretch and three top 15s. And here's what I really like about it. Cause you know, I like to look at the strokes gain stuff. Normally he relies heavily on the short game, but he has now gained strokes on approach in five consecutive events. I could only find one other time in his career that he had gained strokes in five straight events on approach. It feels like he's in a really good stretch right now. Um, I, I like Brian Harmon at 8,500.
1: So as you know, I, I watch Brian Harmon, right? Yes, I, you do. I, I follow probably, I,
0: probably more than anybody. I, may, yeah. Maybe I'm, <laughs>
1: I'm, uh, up there top three fan. Um, but anyway, so I, I, watch him and I've seen some events where Sunday, he doesn't quite take that stride, right? Mm. He on, it, it comes Sunday and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, I got Brian Harmon in another lineup. He's doing great. He's, he's crushing it for me. And I get 72 <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, listen to these Sunday scores. You have 73, 72, 72, 70, 73. And yeah. I'm like, ah, man, Shoot it's something just in the 60s, man. <laughs> well, what does he do in Houston? 65 on Sunday. There go. So maybe he's unlocked a, a key. He feels a little bit better about Sundays and you're going to see a better performance out of him because um, now this one kind of got him into back to a T24. So he, he cracks the top 25 with that finish right. you feel great about it. Um, do you feel at all like you're paying for it I, I worry that he's if he was a flat 8k 7900 i may be a little more informed i i feel like for a guy that's finishing right around 25th every week um, a guy that doesn't make a ton of birdies who i, I love as you know i don't know if i'm getting at 85 if i have enough kind of like win equity kisner yeah. i feel like i can win with Ke- kevin kisner can get me a
0: w I don't know if
1: Brian Harmon can right now.
0: Yeah. You might be paying for the safety of Brian Harmon at 8,500 instead of yeah. potential. It, he is safe. safe. He is safe. He has been. Um, th- there's at least two other guys that I need to talk about. Is there anybody else? Like, like who else we got? Yeah. Here?
1: Yeah. Ian Poulter is okay. on my mind. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on this. Cause it's kind of a, you know, we saw him at the US open and he missed the cut again, tough course, tough setup for him. It comes to the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, another mm-hmm. tough setup. Plays really well, tied twelfth. Um, Shoots sixty-eight on Sunday, sixty-nine in the opening round, and uh, eight under for the week, tied twelfth. And then Masters last week, tied twenty-fifth. Pretty, he never really got it going, never really got hot. But it, it's really good play. That's a for a guy who is um, forty-four years of age, um, not and has never been a really long hitter on the PGA yeah. Tour to handle um, the, to handle the masters and Augusta national in that way, I think is quite good. W- what do you think about kids? Uh, I'm sorry, Poulter.
0: He's not long any he puts well, which these are two courses that'll, that'll work just fine. It's actually even better than that. So you got, you got the 25th at the masters, the 12th at the CJ cup, and then he had back-to-back top tens on the Euro tour. Uh, so his last four starts worldwide have been great. And one and of those, those was it, that events. event where it was
1: pouring rain on,
0: in the European. Tour. Yes. Yep and and so you've got the Scottish Open and you've got the BMW PGA Championship. The BMW PGA Championship is a a that's a stout field. Like you get yes. you get legit players over there. Um so to see, so he's been on basically a month's worth or six weeks worth of good play and this is probably one of the handful of courses I would like him on more than most. So yeah, Polter's Polter's certainly an option down
1: there. Okay, now now let me take a guess at guys you have to talk
0: about. <laughs> okay.
1: Wild guess, wild guess. Just okay. really blindfolded, throwing a dart. Um, Option one is, I'll take the layup first. Doc Redman.
0: That's definitely one. Okay. Yeah.
1: He's and then uh, the from the free throw line, I'm going to take Mackenzie
0: Hughes. Boom! You two man, for Greg. two. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. I'll make it quick. This is this is so easy, right? Uh Doc Redman, friend of the pod, uh, is one of the better ball strikers in this field. He has put himself in contention multiple times in the last couple of starts, Wyndham, uh, Safeway and Bermuda. He is in this awkward spot where he's like not qualifying for like your majors and your WGCs and your invitationals, but he's one of the better players in this, uh, in this field. And then Mackenzie Hughes. Okay. Here's the thing about Mackenzie Hughes. Eight top 15 finishes in his last 16 starts, 50%, 50% of his starts going back to Honda. That was in like February, last week of February. Yeah. He has finished in the top 15 and half of them. Like, he's a popper. He, he's like a goodish, he like, pops more often than other poppers, and he can contend. He's, if you're at a 50% clip
1: with top 15s, you're beyond a popper. You're that, that's you're just that's steady play. That's the you're just good, <laughs> right? That's the modern. the On the PGA Tour, you're not going to go unless you're in this real upper echelon, choosing your schedule, all that. You're a lead of the elite. You're not playing every week and and finishing in the top 15. If you are, you're not in the 8K range, and you're not in the lower portion of the 8K range. So he is a an above average PGA tour player. If you can rattle off top 15s every other week, and I know it's not every other week, but it but you get my point. Right. Half the right. time, half the time. You're in great shape. And that's the that's the journey to a tour championship, not the journey to keeping your card. He's he's looking to get into the top 30. He's looking to get into the invitationals, to get into the majors. He's not looking to, uh, to, to keep his card. He's, yeah. he's next level. So I like Matt Hughes.
0: range is massive as usual. It is led by CT Pan and Taylor Gooch at $7,900. And there's a bunch of guys down at the bottom, including your defending champion, Tyler Duncan, Will Gordon, who has popped here in the past. Greg, let's, let's, let's do the Denny talk. I know you're chomping at the bit. Let's do the Denny talk.
1: Yeah. um, Love Denny in so many ways. Um, Well, well, I know. I know you're really into him as well, Rick. Yeah. So, is it? Is, are you still seeing the same thing with the iron play? That the iron play is improving. Um, greens a regulation, he's up over seventy percent, nearly seventy-one percent. Birdie average is four point three two per round in twenty twenty-one, which I love. And I'm seeing kind of a, a in every other streak going now. We had he was tied six at the Sanderson. 57th at Triners, although he played pretty well there, just a, a 72 on Sunday. You plummet down the leaderboard. Um, tied fourth in Bermuda, tied 38th at Vivint. Are we getting ready for another top five
0: here? Uh, okay, we have been tracking, tracking the trajectory of Denny McCarthy for months, and it, it feels like he's on the verge. So here are the numbers. In his last nine measured events, he has gained 11.9 strokes on approach. So plus 11.9, which on the surface you say, Oh, like a stroke and a, a stroke and event. That's not all that good. But when you compare that to the nine events previous to that, he was losing nearly 24 strokes. I mean, it has been a massive change. He is still one of the best, the best putters on the PGA tour. And he's got good history. He finished eighth year last year. Like we, we are in the same way that I feel like J JM's trajectory is going. A Doc Redmond's trajectory is going. De- like these guys are gonna win like a lot. Like I just, it's it's coming. Yes.
1: So is Danny McCarthy gonna win a lot? I don't know, but no, yeah, I do. But he's gonna I win do, soon. <laughs> I think he's gonna win. I do. So yeah. I feel. And when I I look at two things, I look at these with him, not with everybody. Greens of regulation as high as it is. Is a great sign. Like you, you first look at his statistic page, you see 186 strokes gain approach. And it's been weak for it, it was it was not very good in 2020 either, as far as ranking. But then you hear the conversations that we have about how it's improved and how he's gaining a little bit in the in, in the recent, more recent terms. And I like that. And I see the evidence now in greens and regulation. You're hitting 71% of your greens. That's a lot. And you're giving yourself a lot of chances for Birdie. And he's capitalizing on it. With with four point three birdies per round is a lot, and if you can sustain that, at a, in an event like this, that's going to go a long way. You need to make those birdies, and I think that number can even increase um, in a week like this. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on Denny this week. I think the recent form he checks the box, course history he checks the box, and I think uh, the statistics, if you mine in deep enough, he checks the box as well.
0: The same price at seventy seven hundred dollars is Sam Burns who he was either like the 36 or 54, four hole leader in Houston. I feel like he's given himself a couple yeah. of cracks recently, both in Houston and Safeway. He finished seventh in both of those. He's the rare combination of kind of long and accurate off the tee. I, I like where his game is going too, especially when you get him in a field like this and $7,700 feels like a pretty good uh, place to, to plug him in.
1: Yeah. It feels like a Sam Burns kind of a field. I yeah. agree. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with these, the weekend performances for him, right? They've been not great of late and it's a, it's a level that you got to jump, but what does it take to jump it? Sometimes it can send you in the wrong direction. So I I have, I would say I'm
0: lukewarm on Sam Burns. You know, who's here? Uh, The Todd father, Bruce Jacob wanted, wanted us to talk about the Todd father, Uh, which I can like, okay, short hitter. He can putt. He broke his toe so we can kind of give him a pass for some of his recent performances. Finished fourth year last year. Is this, are we, are we getting back in yet? I, that means no, that long pause know. was so well, telling. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I I I'm
1: leaning towards no. I love the Todd father. Um, and this is definitely the kind of golf course. Uh, these are the kind of golf courses he can have success on. Um, And he is so gracious. He's such a good guy. He's been great. Nothing but great to me. So I'm a huge fan of him. Personally, I'm a fan of his game. He's a great putter 12th this year in putting, but I'm just, I don't know if this is the toe. I don't know if it was the pressure of Bermuda. I know Augusta's tough for him. So a couple of 73s there. Um, It doesn't get the job done this week, but I've seen too many high scores from him this year. Um, we have at the U.S. Open, a couple of 75s on the weekend. I know it's a U.S. Open, right? You can write that up. Well, then CJ Cup, there's a 77. And it's a toe thing. I, I totally get it. 75 in Bermuda, 73s um, at the Masters. It, it just doesn't feel like he's in the form he was last year. So I have to sadly say no and hope that he proved wrong. And this is the week where he turns it all around. And it, it, it was the toe all along. That's my hope. But I, I can't take that risk this week.
0: Um, real quick. I just want to run through a couple because we, I want to get down to the six K and talk about some of these guys. I mean, Austin cook looks like he's rounding back into form. He won this a couple of years ago. HV three is 7,400. I find, I think he's going to be popular this week. That's a, a very low price on a guy who, uh, I mean, he's a fan favorite. He he strikes it well, cam Davis, super raw, talented kid at 7,200. And your man, Stuart sink at 73. Those were, would be guys I'd be, I'd be interested in. Is there, is there anybody else? In the uh,
1: I would, I, I wouldn't be afraid of looking at Scott Piercy at seven K flat. Uh, I, I think his game is kind of getting back to what it used to be. And you're still seeing really low prices on him. So Scott Piercy would be a guy I would take a look at. Um, I, I haven't taken, I haven't gotten too deep into it yet, but he's a guy that I'm watching and I don't know if he makes it into my lineups this week but I'm definitely going to have my eye on it. And I have a, I have a feeling he's going to pop up on the you know first page of the leaderboard. And I'm going to say, I
0: knew it. Uh-huh. Um, so I got to, got
1: to throw his name in there.
0: Uh, $6,000 range, Brendan Steele, Brian Gay, Graham McDowell, Harry Higgs, James Hahn, Matt Jones, Patrick Rogers, all are $6,900. It seems like a lot all the way down yeah. to Bo Hogue, Brandon Hagee, Camilo Vijegas Hunter Mahan sighting at the min price. Ooh. Uh, best names in the 6K range, Mr. Greg. So talk to me a little bit about Rafa cabrera Bayo. because he's a guy,
1: maybe he's going to be really popular, right? Because he was kind of teetering around the cut line last week at the Masters. He did make the cut, um, but it ends up with a tied 51st. Did you, did you notice anything with his play last week that maybe gets you excited? Do you think he, there's anything going for him? I feel like he's been underperforming for
0: a really long time. He has been. Yeah. So the, the, little that I saw of him, which was basically his, uh, the end of his second round, because I was sweating the cut line and he was one of the guys who could move it. Right. He didn't play all that well. I mean, he was, he would find himself in the middle of the fairway. He'd miss the green by, you know, 15 yards, which is like a huge miss. And And you look at, you look at his results. He doesn't have. He doesn't have a top 20 anywhere in the world since WGC Mexico. That was like February, I think. I mean, it was, it was a long time ago. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been a while. It's been a lot of missed cuts. I think the game looks a little out of whack. I'm yeah. not all that interested. In- I,
1: I think That's you're awesome. right. And I, the reason I bring him up is because he was around the cut line. He got a lot of airtime um, on, I guess it was Saturday morning. So he yeah. was a guy that I think is going to be on the front of a lot of people's minds. And and we think of him as a, uh, as a really talented player. And it looks like a steal for the price. So I, I think he's a, he's a good fade for the week too. One other guy that I'm really interested in James Hahn. Uh, yes. So James Hahn has a couple of great finishes to start this year. Tied ninth at Safeway, tied sixth at Corrales, tied fifth at Shriners, um, and then tied 50th at the Houston Open. You didn't see the real blow up out of him. You didn't see the real high round, which with James Hahn in the past, that's been the worry. You're going to see some low ones. He can contend and then all of a sudden he shoots 76. Mm-hmm. And with, with the 73 being the, the bad round in Houston, and he does make the cut, I think he's still really confident. I think he's still in really good form. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at James Hahn and I'm thinking this is going to be a good
0: week for him. I'm with you on Han. Um, the, the lowest down I might go would, would potentially be uh, David Hearn. David Hearn is 6,600. He's given us a couple of glimpses this season. 14th at Safeway, so that was the first week of the new year. Uh, eighth at Bermuda, so a couple of top 15 finishes. And if you look at what he's done here at the RSM Classic, so he's gone in his last four, 9th, 17th, 15th, 30th. If you gave me... The average of those right now. So you gave me like a twenty second or whatever. I would take it and run at sixty six hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, hey, I I I don't mind that at all. Um, I don't mind it at all. A couple other guys you may want to take a look at. Um, it feels like it could be a Ryan Armor course. Mm-hmm. I know the results are don't really show it. There's not much to go on. Just feels like it could be. But um, one one hundred dollars up from your David Hearn Tyler McCumber um any interest in him he's a great driver of the ball he's 64th degree so far this year we've seen some good finishes and kind of got away from him a little bit do you think that's more the trend the miscut at Shriners miscut at Bermuda or do you think there's a chance you could see the second at at um at Punta Cana and the tied six at the Sanderson do you think we could get that
0: form back yeah I thought we were going to learn a lot over the last and i think we're still in this stretch where i think we're going to learn a lot about him right because it was a pretty slow start to his to his pro career trying to figure everything out he missed a lot of cuts then he had that second at punta Cana, you're talking about he backed it up with a six at sanderson farms and i think we're still kind of in the like uh you know if he misses the cut this week maybe those were kind of fluky right if he can if he can figure out a way to you know if he notches a top 20 here i'd be like okay like he's he's he feels like he might be starting to turn the corner a little bit. So I, I think the jury is still very much out on him.
1: Yeah, I agree. Now, the thing I like about him is it, there seems like there's, I don't want to call it win equity, right? But but there's some there's some equity there. There's a high ceiling. He's a guy who can go out there and contend and get close to 20 under and, and give you a chance to be on the first page of the leaderboard. So I may take a shot in the dark with uh, Tyler McCumber and bet that he's going to, that, that those two weeks were not the fluke. And the last two weeks were the fluke. I could take a chance on it. I don't feel great about it, but, it, you know, I may give it a look.
0: I think we are getting uh, Harry Higgs back, back this week. Oh, you he, do? Yeah, right, because he tested positive before Houston or Bermuda, one or the other, but it's been three Houston. weeks now since he's played. Okay, uh, second at Safeway, I think he's back in the field, so he's someone I would be keeping a close eye on as well.
1: He's a, he's a uh, DFS darling. So I'm, I'm in on Harry Higgs too. He's
0: a PGA tour darling. I think at this
1: point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> Popular figure.
0: Popular figure. Uh, Greg, thank you. Really appreciate Th- it. Thank
1: you, Rick. This is fun. I, I, I love getting right back after it, right? After, after <laughs> yeah. the, the masters exhale, you always bring your A game. So it was great to be with
0: you. Oh, thank you very much. Storylines, Best bets, Sleepers, that preview coming up tomorrow, live streaming on YouTube at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So, quote, be there or be square, says producer Jacob in the outline. And if he says it, I say it. Uh, Greg Ducharme, thank you very much. You can find Greg on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.